Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon And I'm Emma Gray And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about bachelor gossip and also other reality dating shows, like, for example, The Courtship. We are on hiatus, baby, and that means that today we will be exploring the quiet romanticism of traditional Regency-era courtship rituals. You know, like writing love letters before you even meet someone and maybe kind of learning calligraphy. Extremely era accurate. Jumping into a pond on your second date. You know, these are all things that Regency gentlemen did routinely. Also, we're going to examine what's everyone up to on TikTok. And actually, I think we should start there because it's only been like five days since we had fresh Bachelor in our life. But we're jonesing for more. Let's start with some Bachelor news and gossip. So we had missed this, but... Right before Clayton's finale, Lauren Bushnell weighed in and sort of compared Clayton's actions to what happened between her and Ben and JoJo on Ben Higgins' season of The Bachelor. And she kind of seemed to see more parallels than I think Ben Higgins would have preferred. (laughs) Yeah, Ben was in a very defensive mode on Twitter during yeah. the week of he was like, why did Clayton have to do this? Everyone had forgotten. I'm married now. It's fine. Lauren's fine. Like, can we all just pretend that sordid part of our lives didn't exist? Uh, but of course, Ben really broke the the taboo on his season in a way that some people like Katie Thurston and ourselves blame in part for leading Clayton to the moment where he was like, sure, I should just say I love you to more than one person Everyone. on camera. <laughs> Why not? It's been done. And nothing that bad happened, right? I mean, <laughs> there were no deaths. It was fine. 
but Lauren talked pretty candidly with Us Weekly. And she said, you know, quote, specifically on my season, I was not given that same information before making a really big decision. And that was the problem that I had very much so coming off of the show because I just felt like I just made a huge decision without information that I feel like I deserved to know. And this is clearly speaking to the fact that a lot of the (laughs) conversations that we saw happen on camera on Clayton's season didn't happen on Ben's season. And Lauren had to find out about the extent of his relationship with JoJo after the fact, after they had already gotten engaged. Yeah. She, and this is something we talked about in the finale recap, that, like, in the past, Bachelors had broken this taboo, but then there was no real fallout, except that JoJo was really blindsided by the breakup. But, like, the loser is always sort of blindsided and upset. The woman he was proposing to, Lauren, didn't know that he had said, I love you, to another woman. She didn't find out until later, off camera. And so the dramatic reckoning that he probably had to have with his fiance. Um, was invisible to us, um, whereas it was very visible on Clayton's season. And she's just like, hey, guys, FYI, like, (laughs) not telling her is not a solution to this. She is going to find out, and it's not great. (laughs) Um, She is married now uh, to Chris Lane, and I just think it's amazing that when women in the show universe get married that you have to just keep calling them by their original last name because no one knows who Lauren Lane is in and like she goes by Lauren Lane now. She married a country singer named Chris Lane. I know, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I refuse to recognize her new life. She will forever be just like frozen in amber for me as Lauren Bushnell. Remember when she and apologies when, to her. Remember when Ben Higgins and Lauren Bushnell were the stars of a spin-off TV show where she had to come to terms with the fact that he liked to like go to Ren Fairs? That was one of the worst reality <laughs> shows I've ever seen. And I did did watch quite a bit of it. And then they had to, I, they did sort of lightly deal with the one actual dramatic thing in their lives, which is that they were dealing with the fallout of how he had told another woman he loved her on reality TV. And they just really show them going to dinner with JoJo and it being a little bit awkward. And they're like, okay, uh, moving on now. <laughs> Um, so Lauren, Lauren is sharing her wisdom here and I hope that future bachelors, uh, take note, listen, do a little research before you become the bachelor, do some Googling, Google bachelor said, I love you to both women. Was it okay? Um, no, the answer is no, it's never okay. Uh, but speaking of Clayton, he and Susie, uh, are going strong continuing their Team Clacy, content tour. Baby. Oh my God, Clacy. <laughs> I want to do Sutton. Why haven't we consi- considered Sutton? Whenever someone comes up with their own portmanteau name, I just have the, the contrarian impulse to be like, I want to do the opposite of what you picked. I'm sorry. Uh, Clacy has been doing just a blitz, like an absolute blitz of post-finale content. Well, Claire, I think I said this to you right after the finale um, when I was listening to Nick's interview with Susie, and I was just like, Susie is truly the best PR tool for Clayton. And I don't mean that in a way of like, I think that their relationship is a PR stunt, but more just- Or that she's a tool. 
Yeah, or that she's a tool, but more just that her endorsement and the way she speaks about them and seeing Clayton through her eyes makes him just, like, much more appealing. And if you're going to pick one woman to be by your side through something like this, look at look at Susie. She's a videographer by trade. She knows how to produce cute video content. She She produces wedding videos. She's a pageant queen. She's very poised. She has put herself in some, you know, out of her comfort zone situations, traveling a lot. Um, she's clearly someone who is fully equipped to meet this moment with a bunch of very well-crafted, cute content and like a, a never say die attitude. <laughs> and, and that's what Clayton to, You got. really have to respect that. You have to respect <laughs> that. And Clayton is really lucky for many reasons, but this this is one of them. Um, they did post a handful of TikToks, but one very like extended mashup video giving people a peek into their last four months together. And uh, a few eagle-eyed viewers noted that this video mashup included, one, a photo of Susie on the toilet while Clayton just <laughs> sits very pleased with himself you know, five feet away in the bathroom. <laughs> and also a photo of Susie straddling an absolutely shirtless Clayton in bed while she chokes him. And clearly she's using the 0.5 zoom out uh, lens when she takes this photo because the proportions of his limbs and his head are just all all over the place. I just envision her taking that to send to like, their producers from the show or something to be like, look at us. Remember the choking thing? Like no one else can know about our relationship, but like you guys get it. Um, instead of doing the Caitlin Bristow thing of accidentally posting it on Instagram stories. Um, I think that I'm getting like, is it, I know it's a thing that you're hearing becomes less sensitive as you get older, but does that happen with sight too? Because these really rapid paced, like photo montage TikTok videos, I just like can't process the visual information that fast. <laughs> and I think it might be because I'm almost 34. Like the young people are clearly able to take all of this in and to be like, wow, look, it's Clayton being choked by Susie. And I'm like, I just saw a lot of hair and teeth and it all happened so fast. I'm like the overall vibe seemed cute and sweet. But of course they... They had to know that people were going to, you know, tap their finger down and pause and really get a good look at all of I can't of even photos. figure out how to do and that, but that's my problem. We'll do a tutorial later, <laughs> Thank Claire. You. I, can, I, can give you some, I can give you some tips on, on yeah. how to do that. <laughs> no, they knew people were going to see the photo. They knew people were going to see it. And frankly, I think they were just like, y'all said we had no personality. <laughs> we're going to give you some personality. It truly is. I, I look back on how I saw Susie throughout the season, and I th I truly felt like she was given very little room to show who she was, actually. Even though she was a front runner, she was in it a lot. I just didn't have a strong impression of what she was like as a person, despite the relative amount of focus she got. I agree. I think that Part of that, like, I, I think we even talked about that during the season, for example, during their Vienna Pretty Woman date. And then during the credit sequence, we saw them in Lederhosen doing really goofy dancing and having a really fun time. And I remember thinking, watching that, like, oh, 
they they do like each other. There is some personality there, but none of that was really included in in the meat of the show. Yeah, and that's a classic Bachelor thing to just not show the lead and the lead's front runners doing anything endearing or that shows personality. And then you have to wait until they all get on Instagram after the show to see what they're really like together. Um, and the grand tradition also of like Matt James and Rachel too. It's like, I feel like I know them so much better. Uh, they have been definitely trolling a little bit. I think it's clear that they were both really prepared for the backlash and had a strategy going in and they're doing it. They're not scurrying into a hole. They're staying out there and having fun with, with the situation. Um, we did talk about some of Susie's post show uh media because we talked about her interview with nick vile um so she she also talked to people uh about the conversation that she had with gabby before meeting up with clayton after the show and we know that she and clayton had like as soon as she got back had been dming and on the phone but i guess she was considering whether to take it to actually a more see him in person level yeah, yeah. And she told people that she reached out to Gabby and said, quote, hey, I'm considering meeting up with Clayton, but I don't want to make a bad decision and I want your honest opinion. I was like, do you think that he can redeem this? And she says they just had a really honest conversation and that Gabby was just, for lack of a better term, like a real mensch about the whole thing, like a very generous friend and said, you know, I don't think Clayton had malicious intent if if you want to go meet up with them, I fully support you. Gabby, just like the best person. Yeah, it's interesting because we've heard so little from Gabby and Rachel since the finale. So Susie is kind of like on this media tour because her time on the show is over and she is now giving interviews about her and Clayton and what happened. And so she's in interviews saying like, I stayed friends with Gabby. Gabby and I talked about it. Gabby's cool. I don't, like, disbelieve her, but it is also a little weird that we haven't heard from Gabby about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Rachel and Gabby have been mostly silent, I think, because they're really quickly gearing up to film The Bachelorette. Mm -hmm. But it does create this odd, this odd thing. They've done, like, an interview or two, but it hasn't been, like, a priority up fair enough in the interview to be like, so Susie says you guys are cool. Is that true? You know, like they're asking about Clayton there and then they're really focusing on the bachelorette. So I just am curious to know more from Gabby and Rachel's side about what it was like to have Susie after being kind of the catalyst for all this to be like, actually Clayton and I are super in love now. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I would imagine, honestly, this will all, um, be easier for them once they've gone through their own season and Clayton will be like a but a distant memory and yeah. I doubt they'll care he's already basically a distant memory for me although same despite his his blitz of content when he comes up on my feet I'm like huh that guy <laughs> and if he and Susie can make it through you know the week they've had I think they can make it through at least another eight months. I actually, you know, I've seen some people post about this and I had the same thought, which is that they might they might really go the distance because 
when your season ends in such chaos and requires you to kind of go against the public and for the lead, especially cast yourself as the villain by hurting the other innocent women, the relationships that come out of that historically have been some of the longest lasting they're like bonded through trauma they're they're they had to be really sure that this was a relationship they wanted to fight for in order to blow up so much public goodwill and they definitely don't want to waste that by screwing up the relationship that they ended up with i think they could like get married i agree i mean we know that clayton like i could see this obviously going either way um just because a lot of relationships end in life. But I do completely agree with your assessment. And we know that Clayton gave Susie an out before the end of the season. He did apparently say to her, like, you don't have to stick by me through all of this. So this was an intentional choice. And I think that's kind of what you're speaking to. There's a lot of inertia that comes from the show and you just sort of ride the wave and end up engaged. And it's, a more intentional choice if you've taken that space, come back together, decided like this is worth the uh, public ridicule. So best of luck to the two of them. And moving on to our double bachelorette season, there's been some updates. According to Reality Steve, filming is beginning on this season on Wednesday. Wow. Oh my gosh. And the guys' uh, photos are going to be released this week, as early as, like, this afternoon that we're taping this episode. I'm very excited. Uh, Even though when we get the photos, I'm always like, well, this doesn't tell me anything about them. Now I need the bios. But still, any little bit of information. I want to see how many guys there are going to be. Same. Yeah, although that, you know, the number of photos they release also isn't definitive because they like to have the option of removing a significant percentage of the men for having allegedly abused a woman in the past. So you got to have a lot of buffer in there. But I am curious to see the pool. Um, it's, It's interesting that they are starting so fast with filming after having been like, we have no idea how we're going to do this, like, two days ago. I know, it makes me worried. But... And then they're not even airing it until uh, July, which is, like, almost two months later than usual. Yeah, I had assumed that that meant they were going to start filming later, but I guess... Like, what are they going to do? Not. Like, I've never known them to, like, tape a season and then hold it for a long time. It's usually pretty tight, because that reduces the chance of spoilers getting out. I wonder if it's just TV programming scheduling. Yeah, TV programming or whether filming is going to take longer. If they're going to film for an extra two months, I would be into that. I I (laughs) doubt two months, but maybe an extra couple weeks, um, especially if they are trying to do like eight true hometown dates, which would be kind of bonkers. Yeah. Oh, man. We'll see. That's true. I guess they will need a little extra a little extra space to spread out. Um, yeah, I wonder if the season will air for longer than usual. Or if it, oh my God, are they going to do two episodes a week? I'm just thinking of all of these logistical questions. Oh no. Getting very stressed. Please, no. We beg of you. <laughs> um, and there has been a lot of concern, actually, about how the two Bachelorette situation is going to work. We have been among those who are worried that 
the women will end up just pitted against each other. They're going to be presumably dating the same guys. And then there's like, oh, well, it's okay. They're not going to vote one of them off at the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, but there's still a strong potential for a love triangle that becomes a wedge or for some men to be like playing both sides in a in a sneaky way that causes drama. That will certainly happen. Um, I don't like it. We just it. kind of have to hope that it's not going to be the the center. My belief is that when a woman is dating, she should be the only woman within, you know, shouting distance. You know, there should be no one nearby <laughs> who can distract the gentleman from her. And I just hope that that they find a, a path through. Um, I'm not the only one who worries about this. Kurt, one of the two Joe millionaires, went on a bit of a tangent in an interview recently. First of all, being like, they're ripping off Joe Millionaire by having two leads. And also, will it work with two women? Can, can, it, can two women versus two men, can cooler heads prevail or will they be at each other? How will that work? Like, how did it work for you, man? Sir. Men are well, from Mars, women, women are, are from Very Venus. different. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you've realized, but can women be friends? I don't know. And that, this is an interesting interview question. Well, they can't pit two women against each other, but there is a chance that they're interested in the same man. man. I The first, like, 15 times I read that, I was like, what do you mean they can't pit two women against each other? They do it all the time. And then I was like, oh, they mean that they, like shouldn't it would be a bad look for them and it would but i i think that they're actually in a great position because they already have a friendship i think the two joe millionaires were just tossed in together right yeah they were just random strangers and he basically says it only worked with us because we were able to like overcome the usual like male competitive spirit like normally there's that competitive urge but we were just like above that we rose above it and we developed this bromance because it w- maybe it wouldn't have worked with two other guys but we're just great and we were able to do it and i'm like okay so like why do you think that with any two women out there that they can't be two individuals who are able to overcome the situation also he says can two women be as close friends and date the same man easier than two men that's the question and Is it? to that i say First of all, that's not the question. You're a moron. And second, <laughs> these are two women who have already dated the same man right. and remained friends. What is he talking about? <laughs> nonsense. This they both man they is both, full of nonsense. They both were at the end stages of almost getting engaged to the same man at the same time. And they stayed friends throughout the entire process. So I think they have a little bit of a leg up. Um, but that... Brings me to actually something else that was bugging me this week, which is that after everything went down at After the Final Rose, I went to Instagram, of course, and Gabby and Rachel were not posting, presumably because they were really busy. Um, But I noticed that they didn't follow each other on Instagram. And And you were not the only one who noticed this. Yeah, yeah. And neither of them followed Susie either, but that, like, kind of made sense to me. I was like, they clearly know that she and Clayton are back together. Maybe they don't even just want to see that, even if they're on good terms. But I was like, why don't they follow each other? They're not, like, engaging with each other's recent posts. I was like, is this friendship all a facade? 
and I got very stressed. She legitimately was stressed. I was really stressed. I was like, I need to believe in their beautiful friendship. I was like one of those fans, you know, the that like sad celebrity couples are like, we have to stay together because people won't believe in love if we break up. And there's so much pressure from the fans. That's me with Gabby and Rachel. You, yeah, you're putting a lot of, a lot of pressure on them. Um, But luckily they have gotten their phones back and gotten permission to post, I guess, because they now follow each other and they posted a joint Instagram post about their upcoming season. So, yeah, love is real. A very sweet post. And they both still do not follow Susie, (laughs) which I wouldn't want to follow her right now either. um, If Clayton had dumped me within the last six years, Um, the crazy content is intense. But yeah, it was kind of a weird thing. I was like, did they all... Were the final three asked not to follow each other until the finale aired, and then they was my were kind theory. of immediately whisked away to do interviews and press for Bachelorette, or was it a situation where they had this friendship on the show, but then they actually needed distance from each other afterwards because it was too painful of a reminder or something? And I was like, what's going on? Like, we saw them. I think it would be very hard to fake the friendship that we saw between them on the show. I don't think it's fake. I really uh, don't. And then they surprised them with the joint bachelorette thing. And neither of them even gave a flicker of an eyelid of like, oh no, they were both like, no, seemed very excited. Right. It must be some policy thing. They, they are following each other. Yeah, now. I think it was a production note, but we look forward to seeing the little tidbits that, you know, drip out um, as, as they start filming and we hope we hope it's going to go well. Yeah, I'm super excited for this season. Um Me too. And let's move on we to move just on yeah, to some a couple updates. Little little quick little bachelor nuggets. Yeah. Rapid fire. Joe and Serena are moving to New York City. Welcome. I mean it to really was two. kind of a foregone conclusion when they were like we're not going to be in LA. Because of Chicago and Toronto and New York City, where do you think a a high high profile bachelor couple is gonna be out of those three cities for the next year or so when their their star is really high, they're they're hosting co-hosting together like a hit bachelor franchise official podcast. Like they, they need to be in, in a major hub like New York City, where I live. I mean, I actually live in Jersey City, home of the St. Peter's Peacocks, but nearby. (laughs) And it's great being so close to the center of civilization. I mean, I am just really excited to welcome them. Um, I saw that they have been looking for two-bedroom apartments in Manhattan and Brooklyn. And Joe was creating some kind of funny content about, like, how little you could actually get for $5,000 two-bedroom. And unfortunately, he's correct because the rental market here is absolutely insane. I, too, have been looking in Brooklyn for a two-bedroom apartment. And let me tell you, those prices are not what they used to be. Wait until you start looking for a three-bedroom apartment in Jersey City, and you're like, well, I'm not even in New York anymore. This should be a piece of cake. And it's not. And everyone in your neighborhood is an investment banker. 
and then you're like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about something else now. Getting very stressed. <laughs> Real estate right now is like worse than ever. I, I think we're having like a post peak pandemic bubble. So not a great time to move yeah, to New York. It's it's pretty bad. So best of luck to them. Yeah. I hope that they can really leverage some sponsorships. Um, we've definitely seen some Batch alums just post a bunch of very transparent content about their various luxury buildings. And I feel like that could really be a path forward for the two of them. Oh, yeah. You definitely want to be like, heavy heavily subsidized to advertise the the new (laughs) like gentrifying your neighborhood development um i mean it's a rough time to move to new york but it's never a bad time to move to new york welcome to joe and serena speaking of chicago bachelor um it is somewhat of a hub for bachelor nation which is why anna redman one of the villains from matt james season also um, a big TikToker now, lives in Chicago and found love in Bachelor Nation and in Chicago, apparently. Apparently, Anna and Chris Bukowski, who was originally on okay, oh, no. Andy's? Oh, em- God. <laughs> em- was he on Emily's season originally? I think Andy's, he tried oh, to yeah, come on was. and was rejected at the door. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. I'm going to start. I'm going to start that over. Um, no, 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 no. This is interesting. Yeah. That we can't even remember. Okay. I don't want to cut it. No, you're right. He was the... Yes. He was on Emily Maynard's season. He made it to hometowns on Emily Maynard's season of The Bachelorette. He tried to go on Andy Dorfman's season of The Bachelorette and was rejected. Not even let in the house. Uh, and he was then on the first season, the second season, and the sixth season of Bachelor in Paradise and left that final season engaged to Katie Morton. Yeah. From Colton's season. Yeah. Huh. huh. He's had he is, <laughs> I think he's retired from Bachelor Nation multiple times. Yeah. But apparently he just can't quit that sweet, sweet yeah. pool of hot young dating options. Which look, I, I can't blame him. Yeah. I, I I've never seen someone have the evolution in Bachelor Nation that he has. In terms of, well, I mean, you know, there have been various people who've undergone transformations. I think we all think of maybe Nick Vile as like a major example. But the way that Chris went from kind of like the fresh-faced, hopeful, young romantic on Emily Maynard's season to like by his last appearance as like this like weathered, beaten down, I've been through The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise ringer so many times, like, I don't know what's up and what's down anymore, but I know I love you, I think, Katie. You know, the, it's just like he's lived an entire lifetime in Bachelor Nation, and he still is doing it, apparently. Um, I was really, I have the sense of him as being like an elder statesman. He's like 35, and Anna is 25, he's our age. I think. Yeah. So yeah. they're about a decade apart. Um, but if they're happy, I'm happy. I guess. Apparently they have they have been sighted for months around Chicago, but have been kind of playing coy publicly. I don't think they've officially confirmed their relationship on social media. But Anna very recently posted a TikTok about telling her boyfriend that she manifested him. And I just I have to assume that boyfriend is Chris. Yeah. We have no 
other candidates right now. So gonna say it's Chris. Congrats to them. Um, and they both have had, you know, I think probably can bond over the fact that they went, they were chewed up a bit by Bachelor Nation. They ended up having some more villainous edits, but also have been popular at various points and is now beloved, I think, by much of the the viewership um, since getting big on TikTok. And they have a lot in common in, when it comes to Bachelor stuff. Do I know anything else about either of them? No. So, like, I don't know. Maybe that's enough. Chris did come to my book party, and he was very nice. He's a nice guy. Nice guy. Nice Two guy. things I know um, about Chris. He's had a long <laughs> history in Bachelor Nation, and he was nice at your book party. Yeah. <laughs> he deserves love. <laughs> if they're happy, we're happy. And finally, we got to talk about perhaps, like, one of our favorite couples in maybe our absolute favorite couple in all of Bachelor Nation – Nate and Michelle, they just continue to be cute as fuck. They went on vacation to the place that they got engaged and have been posting little videos in all of their favorite spots and just generally being adorable. Nate is like wearing some really derpy goggles to go into the ocean. I just I love their vibe. They seem really happy together and I just want the best for them. Yeah, it's been very sweet to see their post-show life unfold. And I was definitely one of the people who was a little worried about Nate because he had, like, never been in love before and he had so much emotional ground to travel in that sense that Michelle had already traveled. And he seems like he's just really stepping up to the plate and loving every minute of it, and I love that. So brings me a lot of joy. And it looks like Michelle also has some professional updates. She is the official new co-host of Bachelor Happy Hour. So congratulations to Michelle. And I think that is a good pick for Bachelor Nation. We love to see it. This isn't going to win me any uh, friends with uh, with ABC, but I like keep losing track of what's going on on Bachelor Happy Hour because I don't listen to it. I was like, oh, did oh, they no, not no, have they same. not picked a new co-host yet? I guess it's just been Becca. And, no, like, I think rotating. like Serena P was was filling in and T like they were kind of rotating around between that and clickbait. Yeah. So they've got that whole stable. It's like the old fashioned like studio system. They're like, what's what will we cast each of our stars in today? Will it be clickbait or bachelor happy hour? Um, so congrats. And we to Michelle. know bachelor happy hour is the like primo primo job oh yeah yeah absolutely so congrats to michelle and we're gonna take a quick break but when we get back it's gonna be 1812 it's gonna be regency era bring your best etiquette we'll see you there can you keep up i like If you're a wine lover, here's a little secret. There is a personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to discover new wines you're guaranteed to enjoy. To start, you just answer a few questions on their website about what flavors you like, how often you drink wine, and if you prefer red, white, or rosé. As always, I love a quiz. <laughs> and based on the answers that you give, First Leaf curates a really amazing selection of wines just 
for you. Later, when you rate those wines, your wine selection gets even more tailored. Choose when the wine is delivered and how often to get new assortments of wine. If you want wine pairing advice or to talk about the wines in your box, you can always speak with one of their First Leaf experts. As someone who loves wine but really doesn't know much about why I like certain bottles and what it goes with, this is such an incredible way to get to know your own taste in wine better. I know. I totally agree. I got to try the Chenin Blanc from South Africa that is part of First Leaf's premium wines collection, and it was so good, and it was not something that I would have necessarily picked out myself a quiz, and good wine. I mean, everyone's winning here. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI to get your first box. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing... and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like, I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, but I also have gotten really into, like, their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible, like, neoprene weekender bag, and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful. And I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. 
And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back. And for the first time in a very long time, we are talking about a new show that isn't bachelor franchise related in any way except that it is the bachelor except everyone is wearing sort of period accurate sometimes regency costumes of course we are talking about the courtship and i think we both have a lot to say about this show (laughs) i think i could talk about the courtship for far longer than the episode length actually was um, it, it's like a 45 minute, you know, it's like an hour long with commercials episode, a classic TV show episode length. And every moment of it is just so odd, just not quite working. So odd. Yeah. So, so odd. But luckily that does mean that it gives us a lot to dig into. Basically the premise of the courtship, this is a new reality dating show that just relaunched on USA after poor ratings on NBC proper. And it follows Ms. Remy, Ms. Nicole Remy, a 26-year-old American who heads off to England to a faux Regency era setting to date 16 fine suitors alongside her court, a.k.a. her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Remy, her sister, Mrs. Baker, and her best friend, Miss Cleary. It's basically Bridgerton cosplay meets a very tepid version of The Bachelor. Yeah, there's so many Bachelor reference in just this first episode. It's so clear that the language of it has been deeply influenced by The Bachelor. But just in that first little snippet that you gave about the premise, it's just like hilarious to me how much is going on here. First of all, Ms. Remy. Okay. I support Ms. as a mode of address. It doesn't, you know, distinguish between married and unmarried women, which I think is positive for women being able to have their own identities, not defined by a a husband, be out in the world without having to be, you know, marked as a maiden or a matron. But it, like, didn't exist in the Regency era as far as we can tell. Like, it kind of emerged at the turn of the 20th century and then came into more common usage toward, like, mid-century. So this is, like... yeah over a hundred years after the theoretical setting here. Fine, whatever. She's also got a court. Is she the queen now? Like, just Regency women who didn't have titles did not have a court. 
Here's the thing, Claire. This is not a show that it is at all preoccupied with any sort of accuracy. What they <laughs> are intent on is being like, Bridgerton, you thought that was sexy, right? Dating apps, you're tired of those. Yeah. England, maybe you've been there once. Don't worry. Here's a dating show for They're you. They're just sprinkling on some words that they think will sound familiar to us yeah. and evoke the era, like court. But when people talked about court like back court then— Like court and they, it, Jane Austen. Yes. But when people talked about court in that era, what they meant was literally going to the court of the queen. Like, it didn't mean, like— my court is my family when we sit in our <laughs> in our manor on our small landed estate as you know they, these these women are you know she's not titled so like we're not even talking about like a, a a duke's daughter here like she is portraying more of like a minor gentry figure you know there are a lot of inconsistencies here but that one really sticks in my craw let's let's talk about our lead for a moment she is a Seattle-based software engineer who has experienced heartbreak, and that is all we know about her. That's it. Literally all. She seems super sweet and is is very sensitive with the guys and very kind. But, like, we don't really get told much about her. That is a common theme in this show. We don't really get told much about any of our characters. So they all kind of blur together in one very formally dressed blob. Yeah. And it sucks because Ms. Remy is a very compelling lead, I'd say. Like, she's, as you said, she's gorgeous. She has great presence. But I, I want to know more about her than just a guy that she loved once didn't love her back. Right. Like, that is that is the only thing that we're told, and that is her motivation for coming and joining this Regency-era experiment. They also refer to her, like, her title uh, on the show is heroine. Like, they would say, like, meeting the heroine finally was so wonderful. She, the heroine is beautiful. Which implies that they're trying to recreate an actual Austin novel or movie. And she is the heroine of the artwork that story. The story but she isn't fleshed out with any of the attentiveness that a heroine of such a story would be like the heroine is not just a pretty woman who goes to a ball you know you really get to understand her personality her hopes and dreams her values and in this first episode, at least, we get almost nothing. They're just like, she's here. She's beautiful. She's in a dress. It's Ms. Remy. All right, let's go. And I don't know, Claire. <laughs> um, most people really love Lizzie Bennett because she went to a couple balls. Yes. Really, what else is there to say about that her? That was her main thing. She was just like, I love going to balls. And that's my personality. Uh the tagline of the show is, in the search for true love, searching for your future may lie in the past. And this tagline suggests that perhaps we might be seeing a dating show that really tries to adhere to the rules and etiquettes of the Regency era. Yeah. Unfortunately, that isn't what we get. Yeah. No, it's mostly just people dressed up in some not even totally accurate to the era costumes. And I think once you start, if you tried to make it really accurate, it would be hard, 
I think, to get on board. And like, that was not a good era. It was very restrictive. <laughs> it was not a good time for women. It certainly was not a good time uh, in in England for Black people. Ms. Remy is Black, and so is her family, obviously. So, like, you know, there are a lot of actually, like, the, the strong nostalgia for the way things were done back then. If you actually tried to dig into it a little bit more, a lot of seams would start to show that they are not interested in having show at all. Yeah, I, I think that's true, which is why it feels so out of step the way that they that the show especially in this first episode is continually telling the audience how great of an era it was to be like courted during during the 19th century England like the host literally says can the old ways of courtship lead to new everlasting love will be transported back to the most romantic era in history killed me. 19th century england like do, do we not need to acknowledge that these courtship rituals came to be because like landed gentry had a glut of single daughters that they needed to systematically marry off in economic arrangements because they couldn't pass property down to them yeah, it was it was a wealth consolidation strategy. It wasn't actually designed to be romantic, and it often wasn't. Also, just, like, the idea of being like, well, we've surveyed all of history, and the most romantic era was, of course, 19th century England. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you mean? I think, you know, and I'm someone who actually is a prime mark for this show— not just because I love dating shows, but because I love Jane Austen novels and I love Regency romance novels, which I actually think Regency romance novels are a closer analog to what's going on here than Jane Austen because the Regency subgenre is essentially fantasy. It's it's set in a setting that has been sort of developed through this genre. It's not there is a lot of interest in various kinds of period accuracy, but it's understood that, like, we're going to be dealing with modern people, essentially, who are navigating this setting and enacting the concerns of their contemporary readers. And that gives a little bit more leeway for the women to behave in ways that, like, in a Jane Austen novel, they would never be allowed to be the heroine and behave. You might see a Lydia Bennett-type adventure be treated as quite romantic in a Regency romance novel, for example. Sure, you can you can play around with it that way, but there's just, like, not enough attention to how that actually would unfold on the show for it to hang together. Like, it just isn't... It just... They didn't, like, really pay attention to the right parts of it, I think. They also seem to be nodding to these buzzwords without actually exploring what they're trying to take from from this era or from the literature and the you know films that have been made and set in this era like they continuously mention Jane Austen quite randomly without context sometimes <laughs> using fake quotes Constantly. from Jane Austen it's cheeky it, it's it's just it it feels very off frankly they also can't decide is this a Jane Austen novel or is this just 
a fairy tale. Yeah, those are completely Again, different not, things. not the same thing. <laughs> very, very much not the same thing. They're always like, this is an Austin novel. This is a fairy tale. Same difference. Uh, like the Brothers Grimm, basically just <laughs> another Jane Austen. It's Lizzie Bennet at her court in a palace. All the same thing. Uh, so this is definitely framed as like, we have to go back to this era because dating on the app sucks. Like, it's not working. Ms. Remy is fed up. She's ready to be courted and romanced and swept away. And that's not going to happen if she continues with the modern dating process. And, and I think that this is one of the things about the courtship that actually does work. There is a clear hook there. People are really exhausted by what dating has become. People are sort of tempted to reach for other structures that might provide a sense of relief or or more security like or a, a little bit less labor. Like being on a dating show. Like being on a dating show. That's the show. thing about this uh, that, that gets to me is like, it's true. I think one of the appeals to a lot of modern women in like the romance of the Regency era is like, it looks so different from dating on the apps and what we have to deal with now. And what if we could just go back to that or at least read an, a paperback and pretend that we're experiencing it right now. Um, but that's already kind of what a dating show is. Like you go on a dating show, you don't have a phone you don't have the apps. You have to kind of interact with people in these unusual in-person circumstances. Usually more commitment is sort of on the table. And so they're treating it in almost exactly the same way as someone would treat going on The Bachelor. Because, like, yeah. what's really the difference in, in their approach in terms of how it's going to help her find love? Is it that they're wearing dresses? That is pretty much it, yes. Because they are still very concerned with, for example, ferreting out the men who are there for the wrong oh God, reasons. So much wrong reasons. And so, and I think that actually something that keeps coming up is that they want to sound more formal. So instead of saying the right reasons, they'll say the right intentions. I know <laughs> I'm here with the right intentions. Yes, no, I, I can tell that you're here with the right intentions. Of course, I would never question that. You're a very good man. Um, just trying to like sort of slightly tweak so that it doesn't sound quite so 2022, the thing I watch on ABC every Monday night. <laughs> um, let's talk about the overall vibe a little bit because it was, um, I don't know what I was expecting. It wasn't quite this. There is um, a host who kind of sets the tone and he does a lot of voiceover narration. Um, and he also is sort of the guide they don't even bother to make him like a butler or something you know like sometimes they try to cast in a period show someone in a traditional role like that he's british he's the guide <laughs> he's british and he's doing this bizarre mixture of like i'm the straight-laced guide to proper regency ways and also stand-up comedy <laughs> this show cannot decide does it want to be this completely goofy fluffy wink winking at regency era um customs type of dating show or does it want to be a serious experiment that actually tries to force modern people to employ some of these courtship rituals and instead it does this odd thing where they try to split the difference and it really 
I think doesn't quite work, especially in the first episode. Um, I think that a lot of the reason this show was created was the success of Bridgerton. Mm -hmm. And to me, this, instead of being inspired by Jane Austen, this really seemed to be directly inspired by the Netflix show Bridgerton. Yes. Because like the show, you know, the courtship opens with classical instrumentalization of pop songs. Like her arrival scene is scored with a chamber version of Don't Stop Believin'. I, I have to say, as I was watching it this weekend, I was like, oh, that is so much like the classical interpretations of pop songs that are piped in at the sort of office building where my son's daycare is located. So when we drop him off, we'll pass this sort of um, area, this outdoor area where they're piping in like Olivia Rodrigo, but it's done with strings only. And this morning I went to drop him off and what was playing? Literally a classical version of Don't Stop Believin'. I was like, that's not a good sign. I'm sorry, the courtship. But, like, you're giving me the same the same aesthetic, the same vibe as the office park music outside my son's daycare. Oh, my God, that's incredible. We also have to talk about the <sighs> costumes because that is a very central piece of this show. Ms. Remy is often seen in, like, sweeping A-line gowns that definitely look more contemporary than period, but they are really beautiful. Yeah. We see a lot of strapless, sleeveless gowns with her hair down. Yeah. It's a very modern look. Um, She's wearing red at the opening ball, and, like, to wear a bright red sleepless, plunging gown as an unmarried woman at a ball where you're hoping to meet a husband, I I, I believe is pretty unheard of. Like, you would wear white as a debutante who is sort of doing the season and hoping to, to meet a husband. That signified both your wealth at the time because keeping a a light-colored fabric clean was very expensive (laughs) and difficult. And it also kind of, I think, signaled your purity. It was like a visual marker um, that you are a maiden. And so she's always, like, wearing these striking, brightly colored dresses, and I can definitely understand why they would do that. Um, But it's interesting that the other women at the opening ball are mostly in white or near-white colors because that actually was the look um, of the time. Her hair is always down. That also is pretty unheard of. Um, We've all seen an Austin movie, right? You have the ringlets around the face. You have your hair up. Like, that was like a marker that you weren't in the the schoolroom anymore, right? Like, you come out to society, you put your hair up. Like, I I feel like I'm going crazy. Like, I'm not a historian. I've just read a, a few books and I feel like I put more thought into this than whoever is styling this show. (laughs) Ms. Remy needed to stand out uh, and that's why they put her in red and I will say she did look gorgeous. Yeah. The gentlemen (laughs) are also wearing some really wild outfits. Yeah they're all like in a uniform. They put them all in like the same they're clearly just issued all the exact same you know little waistcoat 
and breeches, knee breeches, and and I saw some brocade. Yeah, brocade. They all have the little like slightly different shades of like the pale um, like ascot tie around their around their collar. Um, so they're all just like a matching set. They're like a chorus line, um, which makes it very very hard to retain any of them are we both don't get their first names used because again they are all referring to each other as miss ms mrs or mr and then their last names or captain we also get doctor or captain or doctor um and we also get zero evidence of their personal style so between the lack of a first name and the lack of personal style i was just like Look at these men. <laughs> they're they're, they're there. there. Um, yeah, we're really, all we have to go on is their hair, really. So by the end of the first episode, if you don't have a really striking hairstyle, I don't know your name. That's kind of the situation. I also am nitpicking now, but <laughs> the host, Mr. Edwards, makes a point of being like, I'm going to put on my tweed and greet them. And like, did a little research, pretty sure that fabric was not really worn in English society until the Victorian era. It's They should have hired you as a consultant. I'm just confused. Like, like, the thing is that, like, I would buy that I'm just wrong if it seemed like enough care had been put into all of these details. But the things that I do feel pretty sure about are very wrong. So I have no faith in this whole enterprise. <laughs> um, but clearly they don't care about accuracy they're having fun that's fine let's talk about our 16 identical men we are introduced to them by way of letters that they write to ms remy allegedly they have been studying up on their calligraphy i see no evidence of this so i don't believe mr edwards when he says this but they did write love letters slash introductory letters to ms remy i will say I studied calligraphy at home by myself to try to write the place cards at my wedding. And it's really hard just to write out of the pen. And then to make it look nice, I imagine, would have taken me many more years. So I did feel some sympathy (laughs) looking at their rough penmanship. I don't I don't want to judge their handwriting. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I don't blame them. We meet a handful of these men like Mr. Cones, who loves becoming the best version of himself. Oh my god. They are, they're all sitting around reading these 16 letters. Ms. Remy and her court. And she reads aloud, I love striving to become the best version of myself every day. And everyone just like swoons. They're like, oh my god. I like, who's ever that. said that? Oh my god. He's the best. He's the best one. You found your husband. I was like, oh, we're very different. If I read that on a dating profile, I would be like, oh, one of these guys next. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we also have some very classic reality dating show careers showing up. We have Mr. Safa, who is a personal trainer specifically for models, which what a mashup Mm. of reality dating show careers right there. And at least one aspiring singer-songwriter. Yeah. Undoubtedly there to just 
sing on camera as much it's as the possible. only time i actually really see him vocalizing is when he's doing some r&b jams he i googled him he was apparently also on the celebrity dating game and he released his first single like when the episode aired that he was on so if anyone's we wondering know what you're here for <laughs> mr shanklin we also meet mr ward a content creator yeah. lots of those yeah. Lots of those on dating shows, not a lot during the Regency era. Back then, it was uh, called being a novelist, you know? (laughs) Jane Austen. Content creator. (laughs) The most famous content creator of the time. Uh, There's one gentleman who tries to write his letter, like, as a rap, which I wouldn't recommend um, to future suitors. Uh, He's not very good at it. Um, And... I would say the standout uh, shocking moment of the letter reading is that Captain Kim writes that he's looking for best friend with sexual tension. And Ms. Remy's mother reads this letter and gets to this line and becomes very embarrassed. And then everyone's very they embarrassed. They're scandalized. They're scandalized. They're like, I haven't even met this gentleman yet. And he wants to have sexual tension with me. Oh, my goodness. The vapor. The impropriety. <laughs> Um, this is at least, I would say that reaction is sort of period appropriate, but Ms. Remy receiving love letters from gentlemen that she hasn't met yet and she is not married or engaged to any of them um, would not be permitted. That is actually a pretty significant plot point in several Jane Austen novels. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. We're already off the rails. Yeah, I know all about... Marianne, yeah, in Sense and Sensibility, Marianne's and her wild writing ways. letters to Mister Willoughby, and there's not even so much as an understanding between them. It's quite shocking. Exactly, she gave him a lock of her hair. She has exposed the whole family to the deepest shame. If anyone were to find out, and now he's married an heiress, and all is lost. At least that is a book <laughs> in which a ball actually does play a significant role in the drama, and that is really what the courtship is. Yeah is leaning into every part of the show is sort of buoyed by a ball. We have the welcome ball during which Mr. Edwards greets the men and then welcomes in Ms. Remy so that she can stun all of them with her beauty. Mm. And then we end with the farewell dance, which in this episode all takes place at the same ball, yeah. but I think in future episodes, yeah, there's a bit of a break in between. Balls are very intense in the Regency era. Um, I'm good. I keep coming back to um, the book I recently read, The Season, which is about the evolution of the debutante uh, ritual, and a lot of it has to do with this era of courtship, where even women who were not wealthy and who are not doing the season in London and going to the court with the queen were going to like local dances and trying to just meet men who are of appropriate background and lifestyle on the dance floor. And so that shows up in a lot of Austin novels. It makes a lot of sense to try to include it. And yet it just really didn't work for me. I I don't know if they just incorporated it in the wrong way or, or what, but, you know, they, they all arrive for the ball and they've hired a lot of extras, I have to say. And they they made sure the extras know the dances really well. 
the main cast this <laughs> made me laugh so hard <laughs> the ballroom is absolutely filled with hired actors performing really well choreographed dances yeah. And then all of the people in the actual cast are just milling about sort of aimlessly. Yeah. When people think like, oh, I want to go back to the Regency era and be courted at a ball, no one is thinking like, oh, I want to have to study the contra dance for 15 years so that when I am finally come out, I can dance with the fluidity and grace of a goddess, you know? I have watched <laughs> The Gilded Age and Bridgerton. I know that you need to learn the quadrille. <laughs> And it's not easy. And you're dancing on these on these dainty very these difficult. dainty little heels and you've got a lot of skirts. And if you make a fool of yourself or you know, if if you show effort, you're not going to be an appealing bride to these officers and gentlemen and these earls' sons that you're trying to impress. And that seems like a lot of work, but I'd like to be there in a pretty dress while other people are doing the dancing and I'm just sort of being admired in my red gown. That seems... That actually mm, sounds yeah. nice. So that is a plus for the courtship and for Ms. Remy. We do get a handful of positive and negative standout dudes. Well, as much as one can, knowing almost nothing about them. <laughs> Mr. Achavaria makes a real connection with Nicole's parents. And then Ms. Remy really makes a fast connection with both Mr. Bokikio, our Staten Island resident who wrote his letter in the form of a rap. <laughs> oh, right. That and was him. <laughs> Mr. Cones, the man dedicated to self-improvement and also cologne. And also stuffing his face and eating Tums to take care of that. Yeah, that too. he had put a little cologne on his letter, and so she was able to identify him through nose, uh, which of course is very intimate seeming to me for the Regency era. But she feels this instant connection with with Mister Cones, and so the men have these two strategies available to them. They're like, I can try to impress the parents and the friend and and the sister. Or I can try to impress her. Like you don't have a lot of a lot of time. You've got to prioritize. And I don't. I have no idea what the best strategy is. Having watched this, like I don't think that anyone knows what the plan is here. Um, but some men do make a strong negative impact on me, at least. <laughs> Mister Safa just seems really pleased with himself. He's like, I've got blonde hair. I'm the handsomest guy alive. Look, I got he says, I have the jawline. I have the physique. Anyone who talks about their own, quote, physique is a just a walking red flag. Also, like, if you're uh, someone who comes on a dating show because you've always just been so hot and you've always just gotten whoever you wanted without trying, it's not usually actually a good setting for you because you can't just sit back and be like, she's going to pick me because I work out to look like a model and I have long hair. She's like, I've got a lot of hot guys here and some of them are making me feel special. So try being one of those guys. Um, Mr. Ward is a favorite of her parents um, right away. He's very well-educated, uh, seems like a nice guy. And he's not impressing Ms. Remy herself because when they speak, He's just telling her all the stuff he's done. And she'll she'll interject me like, oh, yes, I also went to college and now I 
do computer software work. And he'll be like, oh, cool. I played baseball in college. And I was actually, do you know the school? It's it's a very good Division One baseball program or whatever. And she's like, okay. Um, so just kind of the same stuff you'd probably experience on any old date you went on of an app. A man just talking about his own accomplishments. And then there's Dr. Shanzer, who is the guy that has come with little one-liners to just sprinkle around Ms. Remy. And she's not not, not even it. one-liners. He, makes... he brought props. Like he has multiple prop jokes in the like minute and a half of screen time that he gets, and that's generous. He brings an apple up to her on the dance floor and says, an apple away keeps the doctor away, unless you don't want to keep the doctor away, in which case we can just toss this right over there. And she's like, what? Oh, you're a doctor. You're trying to say that you're a doctor. So he did like a whole bad prop comedy joke in order to brag about being a doctor. And she couldn't even get it. And then later, we see him desperately try to pull out a gift to to ensure that he stays. That's not even his only other prop thing. Because there's a moment where he's on a date, on a group date, because her parents are, of course, impressed that he's a doctor. And he pulls out a set of gloves and is like, I've got two left gloves. And on the one hand, that's not right. Or something. I should have written it down. It was, like, <laughs> terrible. He literally brought an extra left glove so that he could make a two left gloves joke. A very bad joke. He said, joke. like, on the oh one hand, God. that's good, but on the other hand, that isn't right. And this speaks to one of the problems with the show is that this is all we know about these guys. We've just spent, like, five minutes talking about a man who brought some props and made some bad jokes. And that is, like, the most we get to know someone. And on that note... We're going to take a quick break and be back with more thoughts on the premiere of The Courtship. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Emma, what's the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would it be sleep? Would it be get a delicious pastry from the bake shop around the corner? Would it be, I don't know, get some actual writing done? Yeah. Read a book. I mean, my list is extremely long these days. There are not a lot of hours to spare. And, you know, a lot of us do spend our lives wishing we had more time. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and actually make it a priority. Yeah, this is something that I am often working on with my therapist. It helps you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Aloe Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly, truly have it all. 
because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids, and now it's even harder because you're always doing pickup or drop off, you're making a lunch, you're like dealing with some need that your children have, or you're working. And Aloe Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in. In those spare moments, when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class, I can do something that gets my heart rate up, and it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code LTSI20. alomoves.com code LTSI20. And we're back. Uh, One thing that they do try to incorporate within this welcome ball, which one thing I was going to say earlier, but I lost my train of thought, is that I do think it actually is is fitting that it's so long because balls used to last all night. You would just be out until the crack of dawn at these balls. And there's plenty of time in that to pack in some dates. That's what they had back in the Regency era. They had dates with gentlemen. And so there is a group date and a one-on-one date contained within this giant mega ball. And the first date that we see is a group date. The court, the court is tasked with picking six suitors to join Ms. Remy sort of in an, an anteroom to have some refreshments uh, during the ball. And some flummery. Some flummery, some flummery of course, hugely popular during the era. This actually, I think that they actually stuck this part in to appeal to the part of the audience that loves the Great British Bake Off and just wants to hear baked goods talked about in a British accent. It definitely hit a button in my head that was like, ah, soothing content. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very chill group date. Mr. Safa, who is one of the six men um, ushered in by her parents, makes some weird jokes about barebacking. Well, okay. So here's the thing. He says he likes riding horseback and that he's ridden all kinds of styles. And he's like listing them off and he's like, and bareback. And then Ms. Remy is like, wait, what? What is that? And I was like, it just means riding without a saddle. Like, that's a thing. I don't know. Yes. No, no, no. It is a real thing. But the way that it was played on the show, it made it feel like they were trying to make some inappropriate jokes oh no they definitely were but i felt like that was almost more in the reaction or so here's i think that he was like making a very like sly double entendre but then like the reaction was like oh my god i can't believe you're just talking about barebacking sex right now and so the 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 less dirty part of the double entendre had to be explained to everyone and so it just seemed super dirty her parents also selected Captain Kim. Her parents had a real taste for the guys who just want to talk about sex, apparently. Um, they didn't They didn't know that Mr. Saf was going to talk about barebacking, I'm sure. But they selected Captain Kim for this date. And for the first of many times, Ms. Remy is like, I can't believe you wrote about sexual tension. Do you know who read that? My mother. My mom. How could you? Um. So that's, like, basically all we get of this date. Like, I don't know what we were supposed to glean from from having a group date that's crammed into, like, 
a minute and a half of screen time. <laughs> and and uh, we don't get much more from the one-on-one. The one-on-one is chosen by Ms. Remy herself. She gets to select one suitor to have some alone time with. And she chooses Mr. Bokikio. They go outside and chat by the fountain. And at least we do learn a few fun facts about Mr. Bokikio. He is a realtor. Yes. And he's a realtor. Yeah, he's a that's realtor. the main thing. He's a realtor <laughs> and he's not nervous at all, even though he is visibly incredibly nervous. Um, and in this brief conversation, the one thing that he says that actually seems real in any way is that he's just like, you know, I'm a real estate agent and I'd love to just like use this costume and film some cool like social media video content for this listing I have that's like from the Victorian era. And she's like, oh, cool. And he's like, yeah. Costumes. <laughs> it is such a funny thing to actually see all these these men who are truly just like from the TikTok generation and are just like, listen, man. We're making some wacky video content. That's what we do. Like, that's not quite the same attitude as you would bring to, like, a a courtship in the model that, that's being discussed. So they have this little conversation. He's really, really nervous. It's awkward. Doesn't really flow. But he holds Nicole's or Ms. Remy's hands. And she's like, I love physical touch. So we're really just getting kind of a standard issue but not very strong chemistry. <laughs> First bachelor meeting. They're exchanging love language information. And then there are fireworks. And and they, they kiss. kiss. Mr. Bokikio gets the first kiss of the show. It made no impression on me as a viewer. But yeah, here we I are. I had to really take note of who had this interaction um, on my second viewing. Because I was like, one of the guys... Gets a one-on-one date. Kisses her. <laughs> one of yeah, them. one of them. He's dressed in that outfit <laughs> with the brocade. Uh, and now it's time for the farewell dance. Miss um, Remy has to fill out her dance card with six suitors. Three of them will be sent home after the dance. And the dance is really their opportunity to chat, plead their case, be like, I'm really here for the right reasons, as they do some some figures together on the dance floor, cut the rug. And if they're eliminated, uh, she says, I think, farewell, your carriage awaits. And they leave to be whisked back to the modern world. So the six suitors on her dance card are Mr. Echevarria, Mr. Lux, Captain Kim, Mr. Safa, Mr. Ward, and Dr. Shanzer. The rest of the men sort of watch from the balcony. Yeah, they they are instructed to go <laughs> up to the balcony and stare down <laughs> as these six men are just roundly humiliated <laughs> by having to do a public dance while Ms. Remy whisper delivers some constructive <laughs> criticism to them. This is absolutely my favorite part of the show. I've never seen anything like this, I will say. <laughs> They were like, we can't just have a normal elimination ceremony. That's been done too many times in too many ways by too many dating shows. So what we're going to do is it's going to happen mid 
dance. Yeah. I've I I well I think what gets to me about this is that in a way there's like a hint of 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 something real here which is like yes you'll go to these dances and you would flirt on the dance floor you would chat on the dance floor it would be an opportunity to get to know your partner. But like the conversations that they're having are not fun and flirtatious. They're like we're sitting down across from each other you've been called into the office, you're at your desk, and she's like, please sit down in that chair, we have to talk about the last quarter, and, like, you're not hitting your goals. Like, these are the two warring kind of contexts that I feel are present in this moment. It doesn't give me fun, light, falling in love while flirting on the dance floor. It gives me, you're falling behind on your metrics. You traditionally don't want to be broken up with mid-activity. Yeah, like you're panting in and you're being like, listen, if I could just, oh, have to remember to do my arms that way. <sighs> listen, if I think if you give me a little bit longer, I can make an effort. I can show you who I am. I can, I want to get to know you. I want to, I'm here for the right reason. Like, it's just like very labored. <laughs> yeah, even Ms. Remy sounds really out of breath when she's delivering her little speeches. She's also trying to, keep the feedback somewhat private between her and that individual gentleman. So it creates this very odd experience where she is whispering, (laughs) but also panting and also saying things like, Captain Kim, I need to know that you're in this for love. Turn, turn me, turn the other way. Not sexual (laughs) tension. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's every single, every single dance goes this way where they're both just like panting and desperately trying to keep up. I will say we talk a lot about how they didn't train them in anything or give them any context or have them do any research. But the one thing they definitely did was teach them all how to do these dances. These are not dances that we know how to do anymore. But the years and years and years of work that you need to do to make those dances look the way, or at least very dedicated work by trained professionals like we would see in a period film, all of the practice and work that you need to do to be able to do that dance effortlessly without losing your breath while also chatting with the person you're partnered with is really hard. And like, it's hard enough just to learn the steps. They are all doing their best, but like. I'm honestly impressed with them. Me too. None of, none of them seem to forget the choreography. Except Mr. Safa. I think so at one point he was like, I'm done with Mr. Safa. <laughs> it looks really hard. I, I was trying to think of a way that they could perhaps do the breakups in what would feel like a more Regency appropriate way to me which is ludicrous because they didn't do structured dating shows at the time. And um, they didn't have the concept that kind of undergirds a lot of these shows, which is like, we're dating. This is a date. If we stop dating, we're, we're breaking up. Like that wasn't really a concept at the time. Right. You were just kind of weeding out various possibilities until you landed on one to get engaged. Right. To. Until you were engaged, you're basically nothing. And so, I guess that, like, in my mind, I'm like, maybe they all bring flowers to her sitting room um, one afternoon when she's accepting company. And then if she rejects your floral arrangement, you have to go home and never come back. (laughs) That feels like the most accurate to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> but this is more dramatic. Right. No, it is. It's just And it weird. also allows all of the men who are safe that week to just gawk at what's <laughs> happening from above. Ultimately, she sends Mr. Ward home because he's just not taking this process seriously enough. And she sends Mr. Echavarria home because though her parents adore him, she just doesn't feel the connection. And finally, she tries to send Dr. Shanzer home. Dr. Shanzer, I have so many questions about how Dr. Shanzer ended up on this show. He doesn't... He's such a creep. He has... Maybe he is a really nice and lovely guy, but when you get him on camera, what we're getting is creep. Like, that is... He's he's got sad clown aura. You know, he's trying to make these jokes, but these terrible prop comedy but his tone is always like a monotone which is i think why everyone's always like are you making a joke and i don't understand what the joke is because he's not he doesn't have good comic timing he always is looking really earnest and sad and he's always trying to remind her that just like her mom he is a doctor and so he'll always be able to talk to her mom about being a doctor like, that's kind of the totality of what we see. That's his whole pitch. And she's... Ms. Remy tries to let him down very, very softly. She's like, I'm impressed by your confidence, but it's a bit much. Your humor, also a bit much. <laughs> and he's like, well, give me a minute. I can quote Jane Austen. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm quoting Nothing Jane Austen. Nothing says for the like, right well, reasons like memorizing mm. a Jane Austen quote, the gist of which <laughs> is you should give me much more time on t- on camera to fall in love with me. <laughs> I came prepared with the Ms. quote. Remy, Ms. Remy ultimately is like, I just don't see us moving further in this. And I think your time here, you know, your carriage awaits. Your time here is up. And Dr. Shanzer is like, but no, I haven't yet given you this gift of a rose quartz necklace to open your heart chakra. So how can you possibly send it? Yeah, me he's home? like, I haven't. My carriage does not. Await. <laughs> we haven't had a chance to explore the opening of the heart chakra via rose quartz. And he takes out this. It looks like something you'll get at like a health food store. It's like a giant pointy <laughs> yeah. rose quartz with like a big like dull like setting and chain, and. <laughs> He just, like, places it gently in her hand. And she looks down at it like it's a slug. Like, her visceral immediate reaction is clearly, like, repulsion and horror. I relate. I really related to her in that moment. She's like, what am I going to do with this thing? But she's so kind. She really gathers herself. She's like, I'm not. She pulls her face together. And she's like, I I really appreciate this so much. But it just doesn't still feel real to me which I think she is correct about and she sends him home and he says I think you're making a big mistake and everyone gasps because a woman's judgment is never questioned in the Regency ballroom no they were just implicitly trusted trusted. to be arbiters of their own experiences as we all know an extremely feminist (laughs) time Of course, Dr. Shanzer finally stalks out and immediately turns around to the camera and is like, I was deprived of the time 
to show how loving and sensitive I am. That bitch. Oh. I am just a loving and sensitive doctor. <laughs> She's making a huge mistake. I've truly never understood the you're making a huge mistake thing. It's like, even if you're the best guy in the world, that, you know, you can't be married to everyone. And probably most people would rather not be married to you. Like, lid for every pot. Um, they're down to 13th suitors at this point. Next week, Ms. Remy's husband hunt continues through the time-tested courtship rituals of Regency-era England. It looks like there's going to be some drama coming this season, perhaps an unsanctioned so. overnight, which, my goodness, I mean, she would simply be rushed off to Gretna Green for an elopement in order to save her family's name, if that were even possible, you know? Married by special license at dawn. <laughs> or her father will have to call him out. I crave some drama. <laughs> I crave it. Because right now we're just on, like, a placid sea of weird little creeps like Dr. Shanzer. And I need more for my reality shows. Yeah. Is there anything that you really liked about the show that if you could reconfigure this show to your liking reproduce it that you would still keep i think it's fun to incorporate family and friends into the process of a reality dating show it's been tried in varying forms over over time and i like the idea that the lead gets to have a built-in support system and that the friends and family get to be there to like bolster her her judgment and and weigh in yeah, the, it's interesting to watch how that plays out because, of course, what traditionally happened and what's happening now is that your parents have a very different idea of who you should be with than you do, and so you just kind of ignore them a little bit. I think her sister and best friend are perhaps more more useful. They're more attuned to her, but also I'm like, I've yet to really see their use, per se. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, it didn't seem to me like she got to know more about them than she would have if the priority was just spending one-on-one -on -one time with each of them as compared to, like, having other people there to do it. It just, to me, it, it made the cast that we were supposed to get to know and the interactions we're supposed to monitor so diffuse that I think that that was part of what made it difficult for me to develop a firm grasp of the characters yeah i mean here's the thing i think that the premise of the show is weird in in a way that could be really fun i think that even if the costumes aren't period accurate beautiful outfits and like luscious grounds are always a fun visual to watch and like a cool setting to to see a romantic story in but where the show falters is that they didn't focus enough on the reason that we love those Regency romance novels, for example, or Bridgerton. It's because of the compelling characters that we get to watch and relate to as they move through this setting. Yeah, We need character development. I need to know, why has Ms. Remy been so beaten down by modern dating? Why does she want to try this experiment? What does she think she could get from it? Why have these men chosen to put themselves in this experiment other than just they want 
love. Yeah. And that's good. Like, I, I need to know more about them. No, that's totally true. Like, when you, and even I think I, I was snagging on that with the family and friends thing, because when I think of, like, <laughs> Lizzie Bennett or Marianne uh, from Sense and Sensibility, I'm not thinking, like, oh, look at that nice girl sitting with her family who are helping her find a husband. <laughs> you know, you know the heroine so intimately and you know her so much better than her family, but it, I don't actually feel like I know Ms. Remy better than her family <laughs> at all. And I don't feel like I know what motivates her and 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 what... And so much of these books are also like social commentary. And the only commentary that the show has so far is like modern dating sucks. Well, we're not really in a, a setting now where they're engaged in modern dating. So there's nothing for them to really comment on. You know what I mean? Instead, what they're yeah. all doing is they're all just reacting to how weird the setting is. And so that plays that that what happens is that the whole show just feels like completely distracted by the setting. That the men are always just like, whoa, this is crazy, man. Like, I just want to, like, I just want to, like, have a corn dog, right? But I can't have a corn dog because I'm in, I want to have, I, I, I want to, like, just, like, break the, break the setting and just, like, act like I normally do. I want to film a TikTok here. <laughs> yeah. And I can't because I don't have my phone and I'm allegedly in the 1820s. So all we know about them is that they all are from our modern era and they all are pretending <laughs> to be from the Regency and they all think it's super crazy. <laughs> and that's just not character defining, unfortunately. Do you think that you are going to continue to watch this show? Yes. Same. I want to see if they, man I know that the first episode of a show can be a lot of setup. And so I'm not ready to write off the possibility that they will figure out how to develop these characters and develop I'm sure that storylines will develop even if they haven't done a great job of setting up the characters and and the stakes. And I I do look forward to seeing what how some of these relationships unfold. They can't just not have a story. Like, I'm sure something will happen. <laughs> I agree. I want to give this show a chance. I think that Nicole is, as we said earlier, a really compelling lead. And the setting is really beautiful. And I think that, I think that, you know, if they make some adjustments, this show could have promise. So let us know if you would like to hear us continue to talk about the courtship because next week, Ms. Remy's search continues and so do we. And also let us know if there are any other dating shows that are on right now that you'd like to hear us talk about during this Between Bachelor season. And that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Hafiv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clareandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, voice memos, and suggestions for shows you'd like to see us cover in the Bachelor off-season. You can also find us on Twitter at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter rich text on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. 
And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week with more gossip and more on The Courtship. Stitcher. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.